a message today that is on biblical decision-making. Biblical decision-making. There's, there's a lot of decisions that you have to make in life that sometimes you can make the wrong decision and it affects a lot of people or you can, affect the right, you can make the right decision and that affects a lot of people too. I remember years ago, back in my early 20s, um, I don't know, maybe a lot of you all don't know this story, but um, I had left a job and, and that I had been really successful at, at, at Frito-Lay Potato Chip Company, and, and I left that job, and I couldn't find the job that I, that I really wanted. And so what I did was, I told Christy, I said, well, I said, the only thing I know to do is maybe join the military. So um, I thought well, I was already in the army of God, but I thought, you know, you could get in to, uh, to the military. So I started working on um, joining the Navy. And, and I was pastoring a little small church in, in uh, what's the name of that church? Hyser Creek, Hyser Creek down below Polka. And uh, so... No, nothing else had come open, and so I thought, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and move forward. So I get up there, I resign from the church, I get up there, and, and Lindsay, or Christy's pregnant with Lindsay, John's already born, and uh, so I thought, well, you know, this is it, if this is where I need to go. So I started down that path, and I actually drove to Columbus to leave that night for basic training, or the next morning for basic training, and they told me, they said, we've messed up your college credits and you can't go in as an E3, you'd have to go in as an E1. Because I thought I had enough college credits that I could, you know, make a pretty good salary. And <clears throat> when I took the ASVAB test, <clears throat> they said that the, my, my qualifications were, and that was before Desert Storm and before, uh, you know, all the war that went on, <coughs> But ended up that I would have been on an aircraft carrier working on jet engines because that was the, uh, the area that uh, my expertise was working on engines. And so they said, well, I said, well, if you can't put me into Z3, then I'm going home. So I went home and went back and started pastoring the church that I pastored and got a job that next week, just instantly. So... I don't know why I went through that. Uh, I don't know why I went through that, but let me, I got to be honest with you. There's been times in my life, especially, I don't make dumb decisions like I used to make, but I used to make some pretty dumb decisions in my early 20s. Anybody in the house? I, I guess I'm the only one. Nobody else raised their hands. I made some pretty dumb decisions in my early 20s. I made a few in my 30s, I haven't made near the dumb decisions that some people make these days, but because, you know, I got to tell you, we have 18 employees on staff between the churches and the daycares. We have 18 paid employees. I can't make dumb decisions. I have to make biblical decisions. You know, this is not, a, this is not a, just a little ministry. This, God wants to do big things in you and big things in, in ministries. And so when you think about 
when you think about that, you have to think about the things that, that you do and the decisions that you make affect more than just you. Amen? So that's why I'm going to preach to you today on biblical decision making. Now, when you define the word Bible, it is a message about God's work and to save his people for his glory. That's what the Bible, that's what the definition of Bible is. When you think of defining decision making, it's a process of making choices, but first gathering information and assessing alternative resolutions. When I was in grad school, after I did my undergrad back in, uh, when I was 40 years old, I went straight to grad school, and they offered a class that I had to take called statistics. And you have to understand, I was a banker for 19 years, but statistics, I never had anything past pre-algebra, because I always took the business classes. So when I took statistics, I didn't understand it. I made a C, I graduated with a, a, a 3.6 grade point average in grad school, and the only reason I didn't have a 4.0 is because of statistics. You can have one C in grad school out of the five modules, and that's it. But I understood the principles of statistics, but I didn't understand the numbers, and I still don't today. And if you held a gun to my head and put a number out there, I wouldn't know how to do it. Now, we would come into class every other week, and uh, we, the first thing we would do in statistics is we would work, everybody worked a problem. So I made sure that I was the first one to work the problem, the first problem, because the first problem of every class was always the easiest. So I had it all worked out. So he would say, who's going to work the first problem? My hand would go up, I'd go straight to the board, I'd work the problem, and it was perfect and everything. On the way back, sitting down after the second week, he said, Fowler, I'm on to you. He says, you may be called for later on to work another problem. But he never called on me again. But I understood the principles of statistics that you can only solve a problem by what you know. Now think of that. In your, in, in, in your life today, in your world, world today, degrees or not degrees, you can only solve a problem by what you know. You can't make up solutions unless you first know what the challenge is or what the problem is. So, Christy always gets on me. She says, when you start giving examples about yourself, people don't want to hear about you. They want to hear the Word of God. And I said, yeah, but sometimes you've been through something that can help somebody along the way. And so, when you think about solving a problem by what you know, you have, to, you have to first realize you have to identify the problem. And that's the first thing we're talking about in biblical decision making. There's three steps that I'm going to go over, to, uh, over with you that help you understand decision making and how that you could use God's word to confirm the decision. The first thing is, is you have to identify the problem. You have to ask the question, why? Why am I here? Am I here in this situation right now, because God has allowed me to be in it, or did I make a bad, bad decision? 
Many times what I have learned over the years of ministry, most people blame somebody else for their situation. It's always somebody else. Well, until you realize that you may be the problem, you can't find a solution. Because you didn't get there maybe overnight, but the reason why you're in that predicament is because that you didn't do the right thing. Now, let's go over some things here. Yeah, so you have to ask yourself this question, why? One of the first things that you have to ask yourself in, identify, in identifying the problem is why do I have, um, why do I have, and I'm just giving out three examples, why do I have greed in my heart? You may ask yourself this question because we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 for a little bit. Why do I have greed in my heart? Or you may have to ask yourself why do I backbite and gossip? You have to ask yourself that question. Why do I backbite or gossip? Then, then you need to ask yourself this question, why do you lust and have sexual sins? Sexual sins within, within the church today and within society today is terrible because people just live any old way, and, and that seems to be one of the areas that the enemy fights people the most. The next step is find you in the Bible. Find you. In the Bible. Don't find me. Don't find John. Don't find Barb. Well, if, if John would have acted this way, then this wouldn't have happened or, or vice versa. So you have to ask yourself the question. You have to find you in the Bible. And then once you find you in the Bible, find your situation in the Bible. Because I guarantee you, your situation is in there. David, being a man after God's own heart, even back to Moses, Moses had a man killed. I mean, actually, Moses killed a guy. David had a man killed. David wasn't where he was supposed to be, so he ended up poontaying around with <laughs> the Steve. That's a word, isn't it, Andy? It is. It's a, it's a word. He poontaying around with her. And so what happens is, that's a 1980s Smokey and the Bandit word. Look it up. And, and so he's, he's doing what he's not supposed to be doing. What I've often said today, the things that you all do in your life, you all, if I did those things, I'd be on the carpet for it. But it seems to be okay for everybody else to do these things. So you have to find you in the Bible, and then you have to find your situation in the Bible. And then you look at Galatians chapter 5, which is the fruits of the Spirit, and look at verse 23. Gentleness, self-control. Gentleness and self-control. And self-control means to control self. You have a challenge with self-control which means that God doesn't have full reign in that area. And what you have to do, understand something, that sin does not affect a dead man. Chew on that for a second. Sin does not affect a dead man. If you're dead to it, if you're dead to it, then it won't affect you. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, there are things within our lives that we have to get dead to. If people have, have a problem with, with gambling, then what you have to decide with inside of you is like, okay, am I going to continue to do this? Or am I going to get victory and get dead in that area? If you have problems with lust, then you have to, you have to get dead in that area. Which means, what do, you, what do you need to do? That means you need to put that on the cross. Daily. Every day. So, self-control means to control self. You have to keep in step with God and the Holy Spirit and what He wants for you. Let me tell you something. There, there have been things that God has asked me to do personally and within my life. Starting things, stopping things, changing things. That I never would have thought that I could have been able to do it. Never could I have ever thought of things that I had to change or I had to do it. And I'm thinking, I can't do that. I can't stop that. I can't start that. I can't fix that. You can't, but God can. So when you think about when you think about dying to something, you have to do what Romans chapter 6 and verse 7 says. Romans chapter 6 and verse 7 says this, For he that is dead is free from sin. And that's not dead from a heartbeat stopping and you laying in a casket dead. I'm talking about spiritually dead. We have to get spiritually dead within our lives and that will help us within our decision-making. You say, well, I don't understand. <coughs> okay, uh, not in the script today, but let's go back to verse 1 of, of Romans chapter 6. For what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not? that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized unto his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of God. Can I tell you something? And I've been in meetings where people have... Uh, were an alcoholic, so to speak. And they hadn't had a drink in 30 years, Carlos. But they continued to say that they were an alcoholic. I, I've been in meetings where people have, um, you know, they, they would uh, said that they were a drug addict, but they uh, hadn't done drugs in, in 20 years. I've also heard people that are Christians that have said that they're sinners. I've heard Christians say, you know, that, that I'm a sinner. Well, let me give you what the Scripture says here. It says that if we're, in verse 4, therefore we are baptized with him by baptism unto death, 
that like as Christ was raised up from the dead and the glory of the Father, even so also should walk in the newness of life. If God delivers you from drugs, you're no longer a drug addict. If God has delivered you from alcohol and you are an alcoholic, then you're no longer an alcoholic if God has delivered you. Are you with me? And let me tell you something. If you have been saved and God has redeemed you and your name is written in heaven, then the category over your head should not be that you're a sinner. You say, well, but I continue to sin. Well, let me give you some help here. This is good. I like this. For if we, verse 5 of Romans chapter 6, for if we have been planted together in the likeness, get that, planted. John Sandy's been talking about seeds. Being planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, <coughs> and henceforth we should not serve sin. So some of you all may have been raised that you're going to sin every day. Let me tell you something, you don't have to. I'll stand right here, you can throw something at me, you don't have to. Because it's based on the decisions, the biblical decision making that you, that you can do within your life causes you not to sniff it, smoke it, or click on it. Because you're crucified. <coughs> My mentor along with John Sandy and Cynthia's mentor, changed my life. I am a changed man because of this man. Now think of this. I'm a changed man because of this man. This man introduced me to a man that many of you all know who's in heaven now. His name is James Ashworth. Changed my whole life. I never knew what Romans chapter 6 meant. I never knew anything about the old man Crucified with him with the body that, that of sin might be destroyed that henceforth you shall not serve sin. What does it mean to serve? That means if you're serving something, that means you're giving gratitude towards it. <coughs> Verse 7 says, for he that is dead is free from sin. Verse 8 says, now if we... Be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. This is why I think a hillbilly wrote this. Likewise reckon. Likewise reckon. There it is, right there. You reckon. Ye also yourselves be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those who live from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 
For sin shall not have dominion over you. Say that with me. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're dead to that sin. Now, some of you may need to get dead to gossip and backbiting. Some of you may get, need to get dead to, uh, to greed. Some of you may get dead to, to lust and pornography. Some of you may need to get dead to some of these things. But understand something that you have to die daily in these areas of your life. And you can do that through biblical decision making. Not what I think, not what Oprah thinks, not what, uh, I was recording, I, I went to, to record a, a ball game, I was getting ready to leave and I wanted to record a, a ball game that was on, and the channel that was on was Blue, uh, Drew Barrymore has a talk show. Seems like everybody has a talk show. We started a podcast two years ago, everybody followed, and Drew Barrymore is now on TV. And she's got this. And so I'm getting ready to set the DVR, but I'm watching, and have mercy, Lord. She, she's got this flaming co-host, and I'm thinking, it's no wonder society is in the shape that it is in today. There's people today, Carlos, that have been married for 20 and 30 years. We heard about one the other day, at 20 and 30 years with kids, and they're switching now uh, to, to be homosexual or lesbian. See, today's society is this. If it feels good, you do it. But let me tell you something. I don't know much, uh, but I do know this, that me dying to self does not feel good. Fasting does not feel good. Dying to self when, you're, when your flesh wants to do it, but you know that God's told you not to, or God's told you to do something, but yet you decide, well, I'm just not going to do that. Some of you all have ministries within inside of you and, it, and you're hindering this church because you're not doing the ministry because you can't get over yourself. You got to get over yourself. You got to, you, you know, it's like I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard people, well, you know, it's like you're going to do this or you're going to do that. Well, no. Look, there's a scripture that says all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. But that doesn't mean that's an everyday thing that all have sinned. you got to figure out how to get your, con your self-control in control. Well, I can't just stop. I just can't quit. I just can't do this. i got to, let me tell you something. Through God, and if you don't believe it, rip it, rip it out of your Bible. All things are possible. There's a scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does all mean? All. So you have to keep in step with God. And, and here's what you have to do. And I'm still in part one. Uh, you, you ask yourself the question. And then you have to ask God for help. Sometimes you might be ashamed to take the first step of getting better. Talk to God about it. He cares about you. But the Bible does say, and, and, and what I read to you in Romans 6, 7, that sin does not have power over 
a dead person. So if you can get dead to that. So the second thing is this. Establish a decision criteria. When you define the word decisions, you are working towards a resolution. You are working towards a solution. You're working towards the conclusion of it. You have to ask yourself, what will happen if I choose to move forward with my actions? What will happen if I choose to move forward in my actions? Well, the past couple of days, Christy and I have had the opportunity, because it's been pretty nice, that we've been doing some hiking. And so after work on, uh, on Friday, uh, her and I went and hiked uh, a four-mile hike down in Hurricane. Last, yesterday, uh, we had to stop by the uh, Huntington Mall, and then we were on our way to Beach Fork, and we did another four-mile hike. Uh, 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 Yesterday, it was a beautiful, gorgeous day. You know what's amazing to me, and it doesn't make sense? People say, oh, it's a beautiful out, the mall was packed. It's a beautiful day outside, we should go to the mall. That don't make any sense. The place was packed. So, Christy and I, we go for, we go for two hikes, and, 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 and so Christy had to go into the mall because there was a sale on something, and she needed to, <clears throat> needed to get it. So, I'm parked way, way back. So there's a Wendy's. On the other side of Wendy's, there's a McDonald's. And I felt led. To go to McDonald's. I, I felt led. And you know, it was my leading. It wasn't God's leading. It was my leading. I, I felt led that there was a cheeseburger, a single cheeseburger, just a, just a cheeseburger. Needed my help. Needed my help. And I'm here to serve. So here I tear off across the street to help out that cheeseburger. Now, if I did that every day, if I did that every day, and if, and if I ate wrong every day, and I'm talking, about, I'm talking about establishing decision criterias, you have to determine many times when you're standing at the fast food menu, do you want a salad or do you want a cheeseburger? Well, I got to be honest with you, I, when I walked in, the, it's amazing to me, there's 400 cars in the drive-thru and nobody in the lobby. Go inside. <laughs> I go in and the first thing I said, do you have salads? She said, no. Well, I knew it was God then at that point that I was supposed to have a cheeseburger. No salads, so I had a cheeseburger. <laughs> confirmation but if I did that every day of my life I wouldn't be able to wear the clothes that I wear I wouldn't be able to, to walk up the, the, the mountains that we walk into you know and Christy and I are talking about what you know all we get to do in the summer and, and how we get to you know I'm one of these guys I do not like to stay in the house I love to be outside if I like cold weather I'd be out there but I don't like cold weather 
But you have to think, okay, if I eat this cheeseburger, what's the effects of it? Well, maybe the first one, nothing, but what if you eat the second one or the third one or the fourth one? You do this every day. There's going to be effects. It's going to cause your weight to go up. It's going to cause your blood pressure to go up. It's going to cause your cholesterol to go up and all those kind of things. So you have to determine, are you willing to take medication for your bad habits on how you eat? Am I boring you? I hope not. Establish your decision criteria. What will happen if I choose to move forward in that relationship that takes you from your husband or takes you from your wife? What if I move forward in that relationship? What will happen? Well, number one, it'll make the church look bad. And number two, it'll make your family split. We've seen it happen many, many times. And that's number two, establishing criteria, your decision criteria. You have to ask yourself this question, who will it, who will it affect? Will it affect my job, my marriage, my children, my church, my retirement? You might say to yourself, well, I'm the only one that will know. The secret sin that I've been carrying around for 30 or 40 years, I'm the only one that knows about it. You may say that to yourself. And you say, okay, well, if I, it's not going to affect anybody. It affects you. And if it affects you, you're the most important thing. Because if it affects you, how can you affect others in a positive way? In a good way? I think about that. You might say nobody will know. It's okay. I can control it. But the Bible tells us in, in, in James chapter 1 verse 5, I'm giving you the New Living Translation that says this. If you need wisdom, wisdom ask and our, and our generous God, it says, will give you what you need. And he will not rebuke you for asking. You know, if, if you have a problem, if you have a problem with um, a, a woman going down the street and, and you take her to bed when you look at her, you know you can ask God to help you with that. Women, if, if there's a man going down the road and he's a stud muffin and you take him to bed in your mind... Do you know that you could literally ask God to help you to figure that out and to control self? Well, it's human nature. It's just the way we are. We're meant to reproduce. We're meant to, to, to lust after each other and to, to devour one another. No, no, no. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be an example. So, Verse 8 says, in, in, uh, uh, well, no, not in that one, but in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 and 8, it says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. So then you need to evaluate your decision. 
you, as, you, uh, as you define the word evaluate, it's a decision to determine the significant worth or condition. You have to understand that your decision, whatever you decide, the significance and the worth of your condition. I've never seen as many, 34 years of ministry coming up. Years ago, the battles only used to be, well, she hurt my feelings. He hurt my feelings. He did this. He did that. That's what it used to be. And you could fix that pretty easy back then in the day. But all there's, there's nothing new over the sun, under the sun, and Satan has no new tricks. But it seemed like that he sometimes tries to be creative in how he deceives people. And one of the things that I've seen him deceive people uh, uh, more than you can ever imagine is self-worth. People today do not have self-worth. One thing that I can recommend you to do is never say, well, I'm nothing but. You are something. You are something. Because the reason why you're something is because Jesus died on a cross for you. So when you say that to yourself and you say, well, I'm nothing, you're discrediting the cross and who you are. I am something. I am somebody. You are somebody. And the things that you struggle with, you don't have to. I'm telling you, you don't have to. You struggle with it because of self-control and, and once you get to Revelation, now listen to me good, once you get to Revelation on who you are, people have told me, they said, well, you struggle all your life. Show me in the Bible. Show me, show me, show me. Show me where it says that. There's nothing in the Bible that tells me that. What the Bible tells me is that I'm going to walk in victory. So you have to ask yourself as you evaluate the decision that you're about to make, what does God say about your decision? Do you ever talk to him about that? Do you ever talk to him about who you marry, who you, if you're going to spend something, if you're going to sell something, if you're, going to, if you're going to get this, if you're going to get that, you're going to take a vacation, you're going to do that. Do you ever talk to God about that? That is what a, that is what a life of being godly is all about, obeying what God wants you to do. You're not alone. You're not alone. In your relationships, in your jobs, in your church, and on your vacations. And, and understand something. That if God doesn't, and sometimes I can get an answer real quick from God. Sometimes I'll say, God, I need, need an answer real quick here, what, what to do. And then you get peace on it. If you don't have peace on a decision that you're about to make, don't. Don't 
do it. Because you'll be backtracking trying to clean it up. If you don't have the answer, don't do anything. Because there's nothing ever lost by waiting. Nothing ever lost by waiting. And that right there is what I know about biblical decision making. I follow this within my life, within, the, within finances, within, within what God wants me to do, how to handle the church, the third campus, the third daycare, where are we going next, what are we doing next, how are we doing that, you know, and, and those kind of things. What I'm excited about is I need you all to go get them and bring them in so I can feed them. Bring the sheep in so that I can feed them. We need to get them in here. Time short. You got family members going to hell? People need Jesus? You gotta get them in here so that I can feed them. You say, well, that's your job to go get them. It's all of our jobs. It's all of our jobs to go get them. And I would think that if we're doing, if we, I said this on the prayer call last night. I said this on the prayer call last night. I thought uh, us being here almost 10 years, we would be up to two services by now. I was laying in bed yesterday, getting ready to get up, and I thought this question. I said, God, we have lost more people in this church than we've gained. We've lost more people in this church than we've gained. There's more people that have left this church mad than in all of the years that I ever pastored or ever went to a church. And I can't figure it out. We got to figure out what God wants to do here and do it. And I can tell you what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to preach to you all, tell you about Jesus, how to make decisions, life coach you, how to, how to help you. But I thought in 10 years, we have not made the progress that I had thought that we would make. So we've got to figure out what God wants and then do it. We're going to have a meeting within the next couple of weeks. I keep saying that. I'm waiting on our accountant to get all the financial stuff. It takes him a while to get it, uh, 2022 closed out uh, so that I can go over all the finances and that kind of thing. We do a once-a-year meeting on that, and then we're going, to, we're going to do some vision casting. Now, I will tell you this. I will run a disclaimer. If you have an idea, now everybody look at me. If you have an idea, it's your idea, you do it, I'm not. Okay? If God calls you to do something and he wants you to start a ministry within this church, I am here to help you to do it, but I'm not doing it. God's called you to do it. You know why preachers are dying of heart attacks? You know why preachers are quitting the ministry? 3,000 people or 3,000 preachers quitting a month? You know why they're doing that? 
because they think the preacher's supposed to do it. This is where I'm called to be, right behind this pulpit. You got an idea? Don't you throw now when we have that meeting, don't you throw that idea out there if you don't plan on doing it. So I expect at that point we'll have a very quiet meeting. <laughs> I'm not called to fulfill your vision. I'm not called to fulfill your ministry. I'm here to help you. But not to fulfill it. Just like you're here to help me to fulfill what God's called me to do. I'm here to help you. It's a team effort. So be ready. Be praying diligently because we got to figure out. we got to stop the bleeding in this place. People have got to quit being offended. I like myself. Carlos, I don't know why people don't like me. I like me. I get along with myself every day. I can work by myself all day, John Sandy, and I get along with myself fine. Yeah, I'm just a great guy, you know, I just can't help it. But there are certain buttons that I can push in people and they'll leave. And I, and I don't ever mean to do it. <laughs> but I don't put up with nonsense either. So if we got to have 45 people to get it right, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm too old to be thinking about Retiring, number one, you know, you're too old to know. I, I'm, I've been doing this too long. We got to get, we got to get, we got to get started. You know, I think about Scott Means, man, and I tell you, he had forty some, forty some services or however many he had at that tent meeting. I made as many as I could, and his business, he about lost his business because of preaching. And we learned a lot. And we learned a lot by holding that tent meeting. Let me tell you something. We're in the last hour. 59 and a half. The only thing that's left for the church to do is to bring souls in. I'm not going to heaven with blood on my hands. I'm talking to Jesus about people, telling people about Jesus, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that he leads me to. Now, not under, understand something. Not everybody that you're going to talk to is going to come into the kingdom. There's going to be people that are going to reject you. But you've got to figure it out because that's what it's all about. It's not about gimmicks. It's not about how good the praise team is or how good my preaching is or how bad it is or anything like that. Or what the building looks like. It's about souls coming into the kingdom. Souls. And I'm telling you, I got a heart to help you to win souls for Jesus. Stand to your feet. He's a great God. I love you all. God's faithful in what he does. Thank you for the ones that have been with us from the very beginning of this. One thing Andy Stout told me, I'll never forget it. One, one thing he told me, because I never wanted to pastor again. When I went to Mud Fork Church to fill in for Chris, we were on our way to uh, North Carolina, possibly moving to North Carolina. I already had the house on the market. I said, I'll fill in for you. And 
I told Andy, I said, I can't do this. Remember that conversation? I said, I can't do this. I said, I cannot go through another pastorate with people being mean. People being mean. Because, I mean, the last pastorate I went through, man, people were mean to me. And I'm thinking, wow, am I that bad? And Andy told me, he says, here's what Andy told me. He says, I'll not treat you that way. Now, he may not have been preaching, he may have been not talking about for everybody else, but he told me, he says, I'll not treat you that way. Do you remember to tell me that? That's why I came on board, because I knew Andy, Andy Stout wouldn't be mean to me. He doesn't always agree with me. But he'll say, well, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? And I came on board. But I will tell you this. If I would have thought that I'd have had to go on through, and you all would have had to go on through the stuff that we'd have gone through in the last 10 years, I'd have taken a second look at it. But you know what? I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did. I don't regret a mile that I've traveled for the Lord. I don't regret a mile. I just want to see you make it. I want to see you healthy. Spiritually. Spiritually healthy. I want to see you spiritually healthy. I want to see you kicking the hind end of the devil instead of him kicking your hind end. Because that's not the way it's supposed to be. You don't have to struggle. You're the church. There's nothing in the Bible that says you're a failure. There's nothing in the Bible that looks at, when you look in the mirror, and I look in the mirror every morning, and I say, you're blessed and highly favored. Because I am. But I don't regret a mile Time is awful short. Y'all believe time's short? So what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks, we're going to figure out a strategic plan of what God wants. We're going to work towards it. We'll start small and see what we can do to help the community. There's 10,000 unchurched people in Braxton County. I'm not after the churched. I'm after the unchurched. That's what we need to be after. If you're not where you need to be with Jesus today, this is the, you're not here by accident. You're here because the Lord led you here. If you're not where you need to be with Him today, I encourage you to ask Him into your heart and life. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. You know, there's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to name all your sins. You know what the Bible tells us? Have faith in God. That's what He says. Have faith. Faith in God. Did you ever hear Jesus say to anybody in the Bible, so what did you do? What sins did you commit? You ever read in the Bible where he did that? You know what he told them? Your sins are forgiven you. Go and sin no more. Jesus said, I came 
to not judge the world, but to save the world. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to offer you Jesus. The greatest thing that will ever... If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell as you make a decision for him today? Let's really do a checkup from the neck up. If you're having trouble making decisions, if you're having trouble getting rid of an addiction or something that you're struggling with, uh, or you've got a decision coming up, bring it to the altar. Come and pray. Ask God, and he'll help you. We're not the victims. We're the victors. We're victorious. What is your need today? What is God calling you to do today? Do you need to accept him into your heart and life? Then come and say, I need to get right. I don't want to go to hell. Ran into a lady the other day at a funeral. We've been a lot of funerals this week. Dad and Ellie have been to three. We've been to two in the last month. I ran into a lady that I hadn't seen for a while. I was coming back from Blowing Rock, South Carolina with uh, a fellow named Lewis Dodd, Andy Dodd, and, and Greg Dodd. And we heard on the radio that there was an accident coming up, Elk, uh, coming up the river road in between Clinton and Elkview and Clinton. And we wouldn't have ever known coming back from that trip that there was a kid that we had went to church camp with, star quarterback at Herbert Hoover. His name was Eddie Lyons. And Eddie was killed in a car accident that day. And his mom posted a picture on Facebook the other day of him. And I remember him. I remember it just like it was yesterday. I hope he made it. We do not know the next second of our life. Where are you with him today? If you're not where you need to be, just come and pray. Just ask him to forgive you. Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and live. Help me. It's important that you get right with him today. Love you, Jesus, so much. Such a worthy God. You don't have to carry that burden. It's not yours to carry. Shame that you may be carrying, secret sins that you may be dealing with, you don't have to carry those things. Put them at the altar. Give them to Jesus.
as you are. Think about where you are with God. Now, let me, I want to phrase something else and, and then we can leave. The people that, that came with us from Mud Fork Church, the ones that are left, you have uh, Andy and Megan and their family, um, Jake and Tori, David came into the picture later on. Uh, you had Ronald and Kathy, who I miss Ronald every day. Um, you had Les and Sandy, uh, who who been with us. And you, you think Les knew Christy, my wife, before we were even married. She, I mean, was she in high school or? College. She was in college, wasn't she? When you knew her. Yeah, they worked at Ponderosa together. I've known Barb for 30 years. Um, she wised up because she was dating our guitar player years ago. You remember that? And then she wised up, decided to stay single. <laughs> well, God told you to stay single. After running around with Jim, I could see why God told you that. <laughs> That would be true. Barb had dinner in our home. Uh, well, in dad and mom's house back years and years and years ago. And Barb, you said something a long time ago. You said, I've been waiting on you. You want to leave Mud Fork? Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord. And you had a prayer vigil on a, on a New Year's Eve. And my life changed because of John Sandy and me meeting um, James Ashworth. Introduced me to James Ashworth. And they were driving up with us for a New Year's Eve thing. And, they, and Cynthia and John didn't talk uh, until later. And... And the Lord spoke to John, this is right. This is what you need to be doing. God has, so the people that, did I miss anybody, Andy? I think that's all, all, Carlos and Brenda. Carlos and Brenda were with us from the very beginning. 
And, and they're the father and the mother of our church. Les is the elder of the church. And, man, we've weathered some storms, haven't we? We've buried some people, haven't we? But God has always been faithful. And then when we get here, and, you know, Sandy Stout, which we don't have a clue where Sandy is today. <laughs> so y'all be praying because we don't know where she's at. And, and uh, so Sandy, Sandy Stout made a comment to us one time. She said, you know, I knew this church was here. And she said, and I was coming. I was coming. I was coming. I just couldn't get there. I couldn't get there and couldn't get there. And then eventually she got here. She said this church, and because we loved her, we needed her. We needed her because our praise team, we had lost some people off the praise team, and she came on board, and man, I tell you, it's just the dynamics of, of Sandy. And, uh, and then there's been other people that have come along, you know, Kathy Brady, you've got the Wayne family that's come on board. Karen was taking care of mom and dad and husband, and she was busy taking care of them. Then uh, we got uh, Don and JD and their family. and We got the Woods family. and Then we opened the daycare. Now we're getting employees from the daycare that are starting to come to church. We have enough people to do something big. For God. Not for us. I don't want a name. I don't want a name. I just want to. Everything you get, you got to lay it down at the feet of Jesus when you get there. You know, um, we love Rich and Olivia. Um, and Rich and Olivia are working on some, some things within their lives. So they're, you know, they may be back some with us. They may not be. I don't know yet. But they're not mad. They're not offended. They're just trying to, to, to work through some things. And... Um, Winfield's doing fine. God's blessing there and helping. I don't want to leave anybody out, but I appreciate you all. I appreciate you all. The new, the new people that's been coming and, you know, and Dustin and him, him having a heart. And, you know, I, I want us to think about Writing our own stuff. You know, Gospel Quest is, is copyrighted through the Pulse Church. It's a great program. But I want us to write our own stuff. I can't wait to hear some of the books that you all are going to write. You know, I can't wait to see some of, those, some of those books, some of those stories, some of those battles that you've went through that God's, that God's helped you with. I can't wait to hear those stories. I got a couple books I'm going to write. They're going to be on the bestseller list in New York City. <laughs> New York Times, baby. Number one on the New York Times. The titles will blow your mind. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but yeah. No, I'm not going to. You'll see it when everybody else does. <laughs> And I don't mean to rattle. I'm just telling you you're important. You're important. Some of you have gone through some stuff. We've all gone through some stuff. 
But we're still standing, you know. We're still standing. Still fighting. Still seeing God do some great things. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of what, what I think God wants to do here and how he wants to bless because we serve a great God. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, for you being you and knowing that great things are ahead. And Lord, we just pray that you have your way in this church. Lord, I pray that ideas are birthed and ideas are coming and you're doing great things. And we thank you for it and we praise you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Continue to pray for Yoey. Uh, she had her knee replaced. She'll be back hopefully next week. Shannon, it's a privilege having you here. I mean, we appreciate you being a part of, of the Pulse Church. And you don't know your loyalty to seeing you sitting back in there just, just helps me. And uh, God's just doing some great things. Crosses on the table as you leave. Give one to somebody. And tell them this. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody else? Have a great day, everybody. We'll do this thing again next Sunday morning. God's faithful. <laughs>